Those of us in campus public safety have been working really hard day and night thinking about how we can improve campus safety on our campuses across this nation. Campus Roll Call is designed to provide a space for practitioners, academics, community members, and department members to engage in thoughtful conversations about issues that matter to us. My name is Ronnell Higgins. I am the Director of Public Safety and Chief of Police at Yale University. I want to welcome you to Campus Roll Call. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Campus Roll Call. Today, we are joined by Yale Police Officer Seth Hirschman and Yale Police Officer Ansel Ferrier. Um, today, we're going to talk about these two Yale police officers, what brought them to the Yale PD, their experiences as police officers, and, and learn a little bit more about each of them. You guys ready? Yes, sir. All right. Seth, let's begin with you. Tell me about yourself and where you grew up. Uh, so I grew up in the next town over in Woodbridge. I'm one of six kids. Uh, I'm the youngest boy. Um, my father is uh, a retired judge, a retired uh, fire commissioner, and a practicing attorney. My other brother is a retired assistant fire chief out of Cheshire. Um, my grandfather served in World War II, and both my father and all my uncles were uh, in Vietnam. And um, that's my background and my civic mindedness. My mom always volunteered. Mm -hmm. Growing up, I worked, uh, I was a Boy Scout and Eagle Scout. I worked for the Special Olympics and I always enjoyed volunteering, giving back to the community. And I got to a certain age and I said, what career can I do? Do I want to work with one sector or another? And policing wasn't always the, the first choice, but when I realized I can help everybody. It was a very natural fit. Wow, it's an amazing story. So you come from a long line of, of service. Yes. Wow, thank you. National and local service. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. How about you, Ansel? Where, tell us about yourself and, and where you grew up. First and foremost, Chief, I would like to say um, thank you for having us, and we really appreciate it today. Um, I'm originally from Trinidad and Tobago, mm -hmm. which is a Caribbean island uh, closer to Venezuela, closer to South America. Mm -hmm. Um, grew up in a large family. I got three brothers, six sisters. Um, my father was a law enforcement officer as well. Mm -hmm. um, one of my brothers is in the military. Um, two sisters are nurses. I got a teacher in the family as well. So I grew up around public servants and um, it's something I've always wanted to do ever since I was small. Um, I remember when I was four or five years old, my father would bring home his work boots, which were leather at the time, mm -hmm. also his duty belt. And um, he would put it on the table and as soon as I saw it, I knew what was needed to be done. I would get the polish and start polishing the boots. I would start polishing the duty belt. And I think that's where I got um, that wanting and needing to be a public servant and um, protect and serve. Wow. These are great. This is great information. I never knew that about you. So, so my dad was a police officer as well right here in New Haven. And prior to him becoming a police officer, um, he was in the Air Force. And... He wore, he knew how to wear a uniform, both in the Air Force and both as a police officer. So I, I can relate to um, that that uniform as a young kid, looking at that and, and saying, "Wow, that's that's what I want. I want to be able to wear my uniform that way and make my family and my community proud." That's excellent. So 
Seth, you've you've been at Yale PD for five years now. So so tell us, um, what did you expect when you went to the police academy? And after you graduated from the police academy, can you tell us about your your experience with on the job training? Well, first, I I didn't realize I'd have to be shaving my head completely bald. (laughs) And I remember shaving my my head and sending a picture to a friend of mine. He said, no, you have to go to a a zero. So my hair was a little short. And uh, at the time, it was uh, COVID. Or no, sorry, it wasn't COVID. It was prior to prior to COVID. But Mm -hmm. my father would shave my head every every Sunday. And that was just our our ritual. We'd go in the backyard, he'd shave my head and I'd go off to uh, off to the academy. And my first year here, I was expecting, you know, really going, getting thrown into it, going call to call. But the the real mission is to get to know New Haven, the roads, the community, mm-hmm. the buildings. And I have some experience. Um, you know, my dad also grew up next town over. Mm-hmm. He works in New Haven. I'm very familiar uh, prior to becoming a uh, police officer. I was a realtor in the New Haven area. Mm-hmm. So I knew a lot of the streets, but what I really didn't have a sense for was the buildings and going in and meeting people, uh, whether it be a store clerk, a store owner, mm-hmm. and just the general community. That's amazing. And so why, why the backyard? Uh, uh, I, I don't, I think it was easier. It was over the summer. So, <laughs> and uh, he would, we would just leaf blow it after. Uh, so I think that's part of the reason why we didn't do it inside. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's good. And so, so you, your your pathway to the Yale Police Department was a little different. I remember um, reviewing your application and watching you throughout the process. You came from the Baltimore Police Department, uh, I want to say in 2015, 2016. That's correct. Sure. Right around the time that there was a, a lot going on in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, so tell us about your initial police training. Um and if you would, just a little experience in, in Bal- about your experience in Baltimore and uh, compared to here uh, at Yale. Um, as someone with a military background, um, I was not expecting the police academy in Baltimore City be- to be that difficult. I thought I would go into the academy and it was going to be pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. But um, when I got to the academy on the first day, I realized I was in for a rude awakening. Mm-hmm. It was very, very challenging, mm-hmm. very strenuous. And at the end, I realized the pressure that they were putting on us was pretty much because they were explaining to us what we were going to get when we were on the streets. Mm-hmm. They were um, setting us up to make sure we would be mm-hmm. successful. And for those of us who wasn't ready for the, um, to be on the streets, mm-hmm. they wasn't going to graduate you. So it was extremely, extremely challenging in the academy. I think we started off with 72 officers at the first day, and we graduated with around 48. Wow. So it was extremely challenging, but it definitely um, set me up to be successful on the streets. Um, my first year on the streets was extremely, extremely challenging. I was definitely was not ready for it as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not expecting to be going to 10, 15, 20 calls for service on any given day. And a lot of those calls were priority calls. Mm. You're going to a lot of, um, should I say, um, you're going to shootings, you're going to stabbings, you're going to suicidal calls. So it puts you under a lot of stress on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And also, you didn't have a lot of support. You mm. didn't have a lot of um, partners who were there to back you up because mm. we were so low on numbers that it was very, very stressful and um, very, very, um, you had to put out a lot of energy on a daily basis. Mm. But in saying that, what I realized as well it was success. It was setting me up to be successful mm-hmm. in the future because I learned so much in that year and a half that I think whatever situation I was put into, I was ready for it. 
And um, it definitely helped me to become the best officer I can become. Now, Ansel, I want to go back to something that you that you shared. You were in the military? I was chief. What branch? Army. Army. Yeah. And another fun fact about you, you, know, you played some, you were a professional athlete as well. I did, I did. Um, so back to where it all began. Um, I came to New Haven, Connecticut on a full soccer scholarship at Southern Connecticut State University at age 18. Um, I played there for four years. And right after graduating college, I got an opportunity to play professionally in Puerto Rico, which I did for nine months. And I also represented the Trinidad and Tobago national soccer team, which was um, the highlight of my career. Now, as, as chief, um, as assessing um, candidates suitability to become police officers, you know, I Seth applied, he had gone through the process. We looked at his background really closely and there were things about his background, his personality and what we learned about him that we felt Seth, Seth would be a great fit. And, and for you, Ansel, you, when you came from, uh, when you applied from Baltimore, um, the question that I had for myself, and I think I may have shared this with you in the interview was, you know, how, how you would make the change from working as a police officer in Baltimore and then at Yale University. And can you talk about how you how you made that change? Yeah, um, what the military taught me, as well as my parents, we have to be able to adapt. You have to have that form of adaptability, and um, that's what I had in me as well. I realized I was leaving an inner city department, and I would be policing mm-hmm. at a different community. It's going to be student-orientated, mm-hmm. and... Um, I'm someone that is um, very has a lot of resilience, and I was able to to make that transition easily. And, and Seth, with your background as a realtor, it it was amazing, amazingly helpful that you knew the streets and you knew your way around New Haven. But I I kind of think about myself. I grew up in the area, but I really didn't know what was on the other side of those walls at Yale. I didn't know a lot about those buildings. Can you talk about some of your first experiences on Yale's campus? Uh, it's a lot bigger than I realized. And, um, you know, working in the university environment, it's, it's kind of special because you're with people, one, all age ranges, and they're all, the common goal is to educate themselves to then educate others. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a special environment where, uh, you know, everyone has a common goal, which is to really just better themselves. And being, being not so familiar with Yale, getting to know all of the the programs that Yale University offers, both uh, on the university side and throughout the community, was truly fascinating. And the reach that Yale has far beyond New Haven, mm-hmm. um, that was that was really eye opening. And then again, every day it seems uh, there's more about Yale that I'm learning. Yeah, as we all are. Yes, as we all are. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So well, I want to ask uh, both of you. What's a normal day like for you here working at the Yale Police Department? Uh, Ansel, I want to begin with you. Tell us about uh, a typical day at the Yale Police Department. First and foremost, I would like to say um, when I'm home, I look forward to coming to work. I actually look forward to putting on the uniform. I really do. I'm not just saying it. It still gives me excitement seven years going into my eighth year on the job. Um, Usually we get to, we show up at the PD. Um... We have our roll call, which lasts between 10 to 15 minutes. During the roll call, our supervisor would um, disperse information to us that was um, had prior, the prior shift, what was mm-hmm. taking place. If there's anything of importance, he would let us know as well. And also, um, our supervisor would um, tell us what he's, he expects of us 
during that time frame of eight hours we're here. Um, once I get on the streets, I usually tend to um, do a lot of walking. I try to get on the bicycle as much as I can as well. Mm -hmm. um, I tend to go in um, areas where there is high foot traffic, where there's a lot of um, pedestrians. Um, I want to be visible. I want to be seen. I want the community to know I'm out there and I'm really available as well. Um, for me, I would go to High Street. I would go on Broadway. I would go into um, the stores. Mm -hmm. I would say hi, let the managers, let everyone know I'm around and I'm readily available if they need anything. Um, so a typical day, eight hours, I'm usually um, on the streets for seven, eight hours. Um, I'm always available. I'm always visible as well. And um, I do take pride in being visible and having beat integrity. When I say beat integrity, I'm referring to if I'm assigned that specific area on one any given day, making sure that area, no crime is taking place in that area because that's my responsibility if any crime was to happen. And also what I realize as well, I'm sure Seth, you can attest to this as well. Um, it feels good when I'm in a public area, when everyone sees me and they wave at me, they say hi, they say hello. I yeah. take pride in that and I really, really mean it. It means a lot to me. And that that's really the the key and the I think important shift that we've done a good job is implementing uh two things, actively walking throughout uh throughout our shift and the crosswalk detail. And I, mm -hmm. I stress on the crosswalk detail because it's it's crazy, but drivers do not like to slow down for crosswalks. Mm -hmm. And Working here for five years, you get all sorts of feedback from everybody. Mm -hmm. But when I'm at my crosswalk detail and making sure it's safe on a daily basis, I have five or six people who will thank me. And they say because normally the cars don't stop. Mm -hmm. And you would be shocked at how many people continue to thank, say, you know, thank you and all those things. And the other part is the uh, is the YCRs or, you know, where we walk around throughout the community. Throughout that, I've been able to meet several professors. Uh, one uh, is uh, Professor Lester, and it started up with you know kind of like oh he was new to the to the uh, uh, Yale community. He just graduated and, and got his uh, got his job here, and kind of asking what I was doing. And I was explaining that walking around, mm -hmm. being a friendly face, because you know a lot of times people say protect and serve, but really it's it's serve and protect. You know, our job is to have people look to us when they need us. And why not be able to say, hey, Officer Hirschman, or I prefer Seth. Uh, there's nothing worse than people come up and say, hey, sir. I'm like, oh, well, that's that's something new to me. And, you know, I was on nights and now I'm uh, working on a day shift. And it's been such a joy because I'm able to work with a lot of community centers. One specifically is the Slivka Center. Yeah. And the work there... Before I had an opportunity to introduce myself, they kind of didn't realize what Yale University Police Department was mm -hmm. and what we all had to offer. And just by uh, sheer coincidence of having a shift change when I was still on nights, I had some downtime. I was able to walk in and introduce myself. Mm -hmm. That one shift change has altered our communications. And uh, even now, yesterday, I was walking on Hill House and I ran into the rabbi and who was so excited to introduce me to the student he was talking to. And having those positive uh, interactions, letting people know that we're here to help. Yeah. You know, there is there is crime and we will take care of crime, but when there isn't crime, our job is just to be there and, and help people. Um, you know, I'm glad that you, you shared um, your experience with the Slifka Center and, and with the rabbi, and I, and I agree. 
um, your your work at the Slifka Center, serving as the liaison uh, of the, from the department to the center, has been nothing short of excellent. And we have been able to make tremendous strides in supporting uh, the center here on campus. So thank you. Uh, I want to I want to pivot for a second though, and um, uh, ask Ansel to talk about an experience that he had this past summer. I'm on the uh, the board of the Boys and Girls Club of the City of New Haven, and um, they asked if we could um, assign an officer to the Boys and Girls Club in the Hill section over the summer. And Ansel was selected to serve as a as a uh, well, Ansel, let's let's let you tell tell about your experience and and why the Boys and Girls Club is calling me regularly, wanting you back full time. Yeah, um, it was a, a great, great, great experience. I can't um, say enough how appreciative mm -hmm. and grateful I am for that opportunity. Um, I was able to build a lot of relationships. And what I realized as well is that um, the kids love us. The kids love police officers. They were so excited from day one. I was introduced mm -hmm. as Officer Ansel Fari, but I told them they can call me Ansel. And um, the reception I was able to get from the campus was amazing. Everyone came up to me. Everyone was delighted to have us there as well. Um, I was getting a lot of questions in regards to policing, mm -hmm. but most importantly, they were happy to see I'm a human being mm -hmm. and um, I wasn't in uniform. So it wasn't like they were seeing an officer, but we're actually getting to know who I am as a person. Um, I was able to build a lot of um, lasting relationship and friendships as well. And for instance, I think it was in December, I went to the mall in Milford mm -hmm. and um, I saw two kids running up to me and they were like, Ansel, Ansel, Ansel. And at first I didn't know who it was because I was with my kids. I mm -hmm. thought it was one of their school friends. Yeah. But then who I, when I realized it was two of the campers I worked with at the boys and girl camp for the six weeks. And um, it was excellent that they remembered me and it felt good that I, um, I left a lasting impression on the campus. That's great. So you were a camp counselor. I was chief. It was um. I was uh, the role was pretty much um guiding and assisting guiding. the campus in whichever way they want and being a role model as well. Yeah, you know, and that that I have to tell you, the uh, the interim director of the Boys and Girls Club is a former assistant athletic director for Yale University, Miss Barbara Chesler, and that's how these these informal relationships oftentimes lead to something else, and we're we're glad that we could assign you there for the summer. Chief, also, can I um, talk for a few minutes about um, the PAL camp, which Absolutely. is the Police Athletic League? Um, in 2019, I was fortunate enough to um, get selected to work at um, the PAL camp as well at Wilbercross School. Um, that camp, it's officers from New Haven, mm -hmm. Yale University, and I think we also had um, officers from Southern Connecticut mm -hmm. State University Correct. as well. Um, we were pretty much serving the inner city of New Haven, and it was an amazing experience as well. Um, the kids were, well, the campers were very, very receptive of us. And um, we built a special bond, a special connection with these campers where they were telling us when they were leaving, mm -hmm. we would be seeing you guys next year. They were looking forward to the following summer as well to coming back. So it was definitely a great, great experience working with the inner city community as well. Yeah, the, the PAL camp has been, we've been committed, the Yale Police Department's been committed to the PAL camp for several years now, and we, we're looking forward to assigning officers to the PAL camp uh, this year as well. So I, I want to pivot for a moment, um, Seth. So police officers wear many hats. You're a, you're a doctor, you're a counselor. You, you have to be a lot of things for a lot of people. How do you, how do you carry that weight? How do you manage as a police officer? 
That's a, it's a, that's a great question. And, you know, it's one of those things that when you sign up to be a police officer, you think you're going to be doing one, one aspect, but the truth is you're called for everything. And it's, it's a very special responsibility that we get to have as officers mm -hmm. because when people are at their worst and need someone, uh, they call us. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times these are problems or situations that no one's ever faced. Mm -hmm. And you're really just starting with your core fundamentals of how to help people and how to make sure that that person is getting something that they need in that moment. Mm -hmm. And all the paperwork and all the other, the other aspect of policing kind of goes by the wayside because you don't know what you're gonna be experiencing. And as soon as you arrive on scene, your goal is just to, to listen as much as possible. And you know, Ansel and I, I think, share a lot of same views on this. Yeah, um, just to work off what you were saying, I'm a firm believer in um, we have to be able to adapt as human being first and foremost. Mm -hmm. um, we will be put in certain situations where we are not experts in that field, but uh, maybe if we are able to adapt, we will be able to give answers. And also what I realize as well, um, community members, they want us to listen. Seth, I'm sure you would agree with this. Um, we tend to do more talking and listening. I also think um, if we're able to listen more mm -hmm. and understand what um, community members are telling us, um, we would be able to handle situations more comfortably and might be able to handle it more easily. Because what I tend to realize as well is um, a lot of people might be in in crisis, they might need our help, but we get on the scene and we tend to escalate instead of de-escalating. Mm. And um, something simple as listening, mm. staying quiet, that goes a long way. I think as police officers, we are believed to be problem solvers. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we wanna solve that problem as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, and a lot of times, the problem is really just listening. Mm -hmm. um, people, are very quick to call the police and I think that's a wonderful situation but sometimes simply listening to the problem solves itself mm -hmm. and you know that's why working with Ansel a lot and spending a lot of time with him you know I, I've learned a lot as far as his listening skills and you know our ability to show up on a scene and assess everything mm -hmm. and people want to be heard and we should take the time and not just okay let me get your information and mm -hmm. go on to the next call if we have time in that moment there's no reason to not spend as much time as possible with that person you know i had a i had a really good conversation yesterday for about 45 minutes with ray hassett who has uh, trained members of our department in de-escalation training and what i'm hearing from both of you is, is silence sometimes and, and taking a pause and just kind of listening, hearing, being empathetic. Um, that's, that's, that's something that we can do to slow things down and give that person a voice and an opportunity to vent. But that's something that you develop over time. And um, can you tell me what it was like um, five years ago when you began, were you that same person you are now or did you develop that skill set? I'm definitely not. You know, every day I learn something and the more I learn, the more I realize I need to learn and, and don't know and how big the world is. Mm -hmm. uh, but that being said, it's also a very small world. And the more people you meet, you realize no other people. Mm -hmm. And if you have a negative experience wearing a law, if someone w with you is having a negative experience while you're wearing this uniform, they now will print that 
negative experience on every law enforcement mm -hmm. officer out there. So my goal has always been to leave that person with a positive experience mm -hmm. with law enforcement. And some people might not might not think that way and they might uh, always view law enforcement as negative. But the truth is I've had people say, I don't like police officers, but you're different or you're not like the other police officers. Mm -hmm. And five years ago, I was probably a little bit quick now I'm going to I'm going to listen to what everyone has to say. I'm going to listen fully. I'm going to let them explain everything and really handle the situation once I understand the situation that they're going through. Mm -hmm. Great. Seth, so um, just to work off for you as well of what you were saying, um, I would just like to make um, something that happened about two months ago. Mm -hmm. um, it was around nine o'clock, 9 p.m. Um, we got a call from dispatch that... Um, a student is suicidal. Mm -hmm. um, we get a call. So now somebody's on suicidal watch. We're getting there as quickly as we can. Mm -hmm. Lights and siren. My heart is pumping. Adrenaline is up. I need to get there as quickly as I can. Mm -hmm. Tunnel vision is starting to step in mm -hmm. because all I heard was suicidal. That's mm -hmm. all I'm focusing on. Mm -hmm. um, slowly but surely, my training kicks in. Mm -hmm. Everything starts to slow down for me. I, I'm talking to myself as I'm in the, the vehicle getting there. Um, I arrive on the scene first, um, walk up the steps. I'm talking to myself. I'm going through my head, what am I going to do as soon as I get up there? Um, when I got up there and I started listening to everyone, I realized this student was not in crisis. She was not suicidal. Why? Because I opened my mind to listen and I didn't say anything. The student was able to talk to me for five to ten minutes without mm -hmm. me saying a word. That's listening and hearing everything and understanding what the process she was going through, what was in her mind. And um, it was easy for me because I was able to listen. I was able to be flexible. And although I was going there 100 miles an hour, I was able to slow it down. And um, the student and I, afterwards, we saw eye to eye. We were able to understand each other. And um, I didn't have to commit the student. Mm -hmm. I realized that um, she was just having a rough day. Mm -hmm. And um, contrary to what the call came in as, it was nothing as what the call came in as when I got it. It was something totally different. So that's when I realized sometimes I just need to slow it down mm -hmm. and I just need to listen, pay attention to details and just listen. Some people just want somebody to talk to and um, they call 911, that's all they want. They want a voice to hear what they have to say. Mm -hmm. And I was able to experience it. Um, I've been a cop for over seven years mm -hmm. and this is the first time I can say um, I've actually experienced a situation where I didn't have to say a word for almost 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And that, that's another you know, great point that you were bringing up is listening to what is going on in the moment. When we get a call mm -hmm. from dispatch, that's coming from a person who might be witnessing something. Mm -hmm. And we've had calls where there was a, a, a riot in place or a protest in place and you show up and that's not going on. Yeah. And to the point where I'm confused. And as you mentioned, you know, you're going to a call, it's, it's a heated moment, you're you're trying to get there to solve the problem, but when you get there, you have to pivot. And that's something that does take time. And even when it is a serious situation, you still need to pivot and make sure that you're in the right mind frame to handle whatever's gonna be thrown at you. Um, and that's, you know, to do your part about talking to yourself and doing mm -hmm. that, that's really important to do. Great, great. These are all great points, thanks for sharing. So, so Ansel, tell me, you, 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 you talked earlier about um, how you, you were assigned to the, uh, the mountain bike. And Seth, you, you shared earlier about being out there walking the beat. 
Well, at some point in time, you both get hungry. And one of the things that I've experienced over the years is that in New Haven, there are some wonderful, wonderful places to eat. Seth, beginning with you, what what's your favorite place to eat and why? Well, first I have to say, New Haven is the undisputed pizza capital of the world. And being a Yale officer in New Haven, I have the pleasure of selecting not only the rest, the pizza restaurants, but the type of pizza I get per each different restaurant. Now, that being said, I have to be a little biased because uh, I did go to high school with the uh, people who owned Yorkside. And it's a lovely, uh, lovely time when I go in there. I get to, to say hello to the parents uh, who work there all the time. Mm -hmm. And also with uh, Town Pizza on Whitney Avenue, mm -hmm. uh, my son's godmother's parents own that and work there. So I will have to say those are great places to go for... Uh, for community and food. You, you, okay, so you're on the record, Yorkside and Town Pizza. Town Pizza, are, <laughs> the atmosphere is is absolutely great. Yeah. Now, if we want to get into specific pizza, uh, that, could, that could last uh, several hours. But the best mashed potato uh, pizza is definitely bar pizza. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And Yorkside and Town Pizza are so very proximate to campus, and they're great partners of the Yale PD. Ansel, my friend, where where, where do you like to eat? I'm a pescatarian, so my diet is limited. It's restricted, so I tend to bring um, my food from home. But in saying that, um, there are days where I'm not cooking. Um, I'm being lazy. I get to work. I'm hungry. I usually tend to go to brick open pizza. Okay. I follow the trail of the students. Wherever <laughs> I see the students going, that's where I tend to go. Um, I love brick oven. Also, I tend to try um, Tomatillo, which is on Broadway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brick oven. That's no, good pizza. Yeah, good pizza. The... Um, the owner's son of Brick Oven Pizza is a Yale graduate. That is correct, and Chief. former um, member of the New Haven Board of Alders. Yeah. He's brilliant. He's amazing. The owners, um, the sons, everyone that works there is amazing. Yeah. Um, they love actually seeing us showing up. Um, they're awesome. They give us discounts as well. And um, we appreciate it. Forever grateful for it. Um, they're amazing. They love having Yale University officers showing up into the establishment. They, they really, really do. They do. I mean, the father of the former student, you know, has his son's picture on the wall, loves Yale, loves the community. And uh, I, don't, I don't think he would be happy anywhere else besides at his location right here on yeah. campus. Yeah. Great. So as, as Yale police officers, um, you are assigned have the privilege and opportunity to work a number of different campus events. Uh, one of my favorite campus events is commencement. And the reason why commencement is, is so fun and so important and special to me is because, you know, it is the culmination of years worth of work uh, for students. And it is almost like this is, this is their launch. Uh, we take great pride in, in keeping the campus safe for members to, to live, work, and study. And we just take great pride in seeing uh, Yale students graduate and go on to do brilliant things. There's so many uh, times when I'm watching television or reading and I say, I know that person, or I've met that person. This person went to Yale, that person went to Yale. And sometimes with relatives, it's like, yeah, 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 I know everybody went to Yale, but that's just me. So Seth, what's your, what's your favorite uh, event to work on campus? Uh, my favorite event to work is the Yale-Harvard game. And really? believe it or not, it's, it's a long, very, very, very long day. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, days come up to, there's an energy in the air. Mm -hmm. 
the shops, the students, everybody is excited. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of planning uh, behind the scenes mm -hmm. here at this department, and you can you can see the buzz. I'm sure it's very stressful for for a lot of people too, but uh, you know that day I know it's going to be a long day. I uh, put on two pairs of socks. I always make sure I have enough gloves. But we get there, we have a little cookout beforehand. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be 10 to 12 hours of standing. Oh yeah. Uh, but we have great supervisors that uh, will give us you know, lunch breaks and. Uh, you know, make sure that we're all being rotated. But all the students, they're so excited. Uh, this past year was even better because the previous Yale-Harvard game was canceled. So you had a huge group come and, you know, everybody is having a great time and that's different for everybody uh, who shows up, but they're all just excited. Yeah. And normal Yale games gets in attendance, but the Yale-Harvard is always sold out. I agree. There, There's a lot of planning and work but standing on that field and looking up at the crowds inside the Yale Bowl is uh, it's, it's an experience that I'm glad that we, we've had the, that experience. Ansel, what about you? Uh, Chief, I think you know the answer. I think everyone <laughs> in this room knows the answer to it. What's that? Um, I'm a huge soccer fan. I played soccer my whole life. Yep. So, of course, working the men's and women's soccer games. Whenever I get an opportunity to work those games, it's um, a dream come true for me. Why? I'm a huge fan of both men and women's soccer team here at the university. And um, I get to go, I get to show up, um, be in uniform as well. Actually, a lot of the players know who I am because whenever I'm on the streets and I see um, the soccer team, so I'm always stopped to say hi, introduce myself, tell them about my background and they remember. And um, they would see me walking around campus, say hi to me and um, it's a great, great feeling. And it's even a better feeling when I'm working the um, soccer games and the student waves and say hi to me. The, the word on the street is that you're going to be practicing with them uh, in the spring. Is that so? Oh, with your permission, yes, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's part of our community outreach and engagement, right? Yeah, of course it okay. is. It is. Right. So uh, before we close out, Ansel, I want to ask you if you have any parting words to the community. Yes. Um, you see something, say something. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. And you, Seth? Uh, feel free to come up and say hi, even if it's, you know, we, we love helping on the calls for service, but uh, we also like to eat. So if you're having a barbecue, feel free to invite us. Okay, great. Listen, I wanna thank you both for being a part of Campus Roll Call. I would love, we would love to have you back on here soon. And uh, thank you just for all that you do for this department and for the Yale community. This concludes this episode of Campus Roll Call. I wanna thank you for joining us and we'll see you next episode. Take care. <laughs>